And so, um, it's funny that how all this fell with Pastor Robbie being gone on vacation, uh, much-deserved vacation, and we're, we know he's tuning in right now. We've seen him commenting on our live stream this morning, and if you are tuning in on our live stream, we're so glad that you are here this morning, and we're so glad that each and every one of you are here this morning worshiping in person. Speaking of Pastor Robbie, Scarlett, I got a great story. You know, I kind of mark my time of serving here at Trinity by how old she was when we came. She was six months old, and today she's nine. So that's how long that we've been here serving with you and ministering with you. And so it goes by so fast. Well, one Wednesday night, we were hanging around early as PKs have to do sometimes. They come in early, and I noticed she was kind of looking down the hallway and pointing out where everyone's office was at. And so, you know, coming down the hallway from the outside door, it's Pastor Robbie's office is first, Pastor Ben's office is second, Pastor Jeff's office is third. And so she was looking and pointing, and this was a few years ago, and she asked a question. She said, Daddy, why is Pastor Robbie's office first in the hallway? And before I could answer, she answered for herself. She goes, oh, I know, I know. It's because he's the real pastor. (laughs) And so our children do a good job of uh, humbling us, right, and and kind of bringing us back down to reality. But no, laying all jokes aside, it is a privilege to be able to serve under him as our senior pastor and alongside of he and Jeff and you for the kingdom of God here at Trinity And what a joy it is to stand before you today. We've got a reader for our scripture. Knox, come on up. Hebrews 11 is where we'll be now. You may stand as he's making his way up in honor of God's word. Hebrews 11 is where we will be to begin with. The the, uh, hall of faith, as they sometimes call it, is where we'll be reading now. But then we're going to go back and get the whole story of Abraham's faith and obedience. Hebrews chapter 11, 17 and 19. Can you see that right there? By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, um, he was offering his unique son. The, the one it had said, of Isaac. He he received the promises and he was he was offering his unique son the one that had been said about your seed will be traced through Isaac. He considered God to be an illustration as an illustration. He received him back. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you God for the reading of your word. We thank you for Knox, who has come to read it. And Lord, may your word pierce our hearts so that we can become more like Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Y'all give Knox a hand for reading the scripture this morning. You may be seated. And so getting back to abnormal, the abnormal family. Some of you may or may not know this, but uh, my title of service here at Trinity is the minister to families. And so anytime I get the opportunity to preach about the family, I love it. I love reaching the next generation. I love helping shape the next generation. And I know that's the heartbeat of who we are here 
at Trinity. So in Genesis chapter 22, you'll find the story of what Knox was referring to here. And we're going to get to that in just a second. Genesis chapter 22 is where we'll be going to here in just a few minutes. Getting back to abnormal, the abnormal family. Now, thinking about that, how much do you love your family? That's kind of a loaded question, right? Last weekend was Father's Day. You heard about the abnormal father as Pastor Robbie was preaching on Noah. We learned how we can become an abnormal spiritual leader of the home. And so this is almost a part two of that. Two uh, of those men of God in the Old Testament who gave us an example of what obedience looks like. So dads, I might be fathers, I might be husbands, I might be this morning talking a little bit closer to you this morning. But... All of us can apply the scriptures that we have before us today of obedience and what it looks like as we sing our testimony. What does our testimony look like to the world? Do we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and body and all of who we are? When people see us, do they see Jesus? And so many times we have this um, quandary in our lives where we're, we're saying, hey, I love God. I love all there is to be about my God. Jesus is my Savior. And then the next closest thing that can, we can resemble that, we know that the Apostle Paul even used the imagery of the bridegroom in referring to our relationship with Christ. Our next thing that we can uh, understand and illustrate the love that God has for us through His Son Jesus is through our family. And so a lot of times, and we promote this, in the United States of America, the great American dream is to provide for your family, to sacrifice for your family, to love your family. And there's nothing under the sun wrong with that this morning, as we can see in our culture right now. The breakdown of the family that's happening and the unrest that we find with protests and riots, we know that the root of that is where the family wasn't being the family's God designed. There's nothing else you can blame it on this morning. But sometimes, now I'm going to take it, we're going to swing the pendulum in another direction if you just follow me this morning. Sometimes we say, you know what, that's, that's the problem. That's where we need to start is the family. And sometimes the family... Our wife, our husband, our children, whatever it is in our lives can become an idol, as we'll see that Abraham was tested, can become an idol and prevent us from truly sacrificing for what God would have us to do with our lives. And so as I was looking at this passage in Genesis chapter 22, in verse 1, it says this, After these things, God tested Abraham... And said to him, Abraham. Now, before we get to what that test means, a lot of times we think, well, God was, was, uh, was really going to give Abraham a hard time right here. No, that's not what he was doing. If you go back to the original language, you find the word Nisah. And that is a testing to prove the quality of something. In this case, it was Abraham's relationship with God. And so what God was doing for Abraham is he was coming to him and he's saying, all right, Abraham, I'm testing you. I want to see how much our, your relationship with me is worth. And you know the story as we continue reading. Here I am, Abraham answered. 
Take your son, he said, your only son, Isaac. You remember Isaac? Abraham and Sarah, they didn't think that they were going to be able to have children. Abraham was an old man when Isaac was born. He was given the gift of his son, Isaac. Now Abraham had everything under the sun, right? Land. He was the seed of God's chosen people would continue through Isaac. And now God is testing him and saying, Abraham, it's time for you to go as we'll see up to Moriah and sacrifice your only son. That doesn't make sense. That's not what's supposed to happen. But he says, take your son, your one and only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the, one of the mountains I will tell you about. You know, we love our families, right? Think about how much we love our families. Think about how much Abraham, when God approached him with this and said, all right, this is what you got to do. And he, Can you imagine how he felt? Put yourself in his shoes this morning. And think about, wait a minute, God. You gave me the promised son. You provided him, and now you want me to go and offer him as a burnt sacrifice, as an offering to you? Uh, hold on a minute. I thought we were supposed to love this child, provide for this child, and take care of this child. Speaking of loving your family, I can remember the day some of you guys, and now don't forget this date, okay? It's important. Remember that day when you were married, when your bride walked down that aisle? And how much love you had, you go back to that day and you say, man, I'd be willing to push her out of the way of the oncoming train and take the blow for her. Some of us with our children, we can remember rocking them to sleep at night to the point of falling asleep in the, in the recliner or the rocking chair and then watching the sun come up the next morning. The things that we do for the love of our family, right? Some of us can remember... Uh, when those little children might have gotten sick, and they, you, you say, oh, Mama, I'm sick, and then, Bleh! and we catch it in our hands. Anybody ever done that? So we don't want to get all over us or the bed or anything. Some of you are getting sick now thinking about it. I've had throw up in my mouth and my nose. I mean, you know, we do it because we love them, right? And then we, I remember in, in our case, this to show you how much Joni loves me, I can remember uh, not long after we were married, she had uh, laser eye surgery to repair her eyes, and, and I can remember that first morning she woke up and with those repaired eyes, she could see clearly now, and she rolled over and she looked at me. That was a lot of love to stay in the picture that, after that morning, right? To see clearly she still loved me. Now, I can remember... One of those times when we show how much we love our family. Titus, he got a little African dwarf frog set. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? It's two little frogs that swim in the water. And they're constantly moving. And they look at you when you walk in the room. Swimming. Look, what are you going to do? Are you going to feed me? What are you going to do? Well, these little African dwarf frogs, we got this little aquarium about this big little cube like that. And it came time to clean the tank out. You got to clean the tank out so the African dwarf frogs have a nice place to swim, right? I want to make sure that, by the way, we named them after our neighbors, Lance and Hunter. So Lance and Hunter, it's time to, to clean up Lance and Hunter's home here. And so we, we took Lance and Hunter out and poured them in a little cup. 
hey, they made it. They're, they're okay. Cleaned out the tank, all the little rocks and the little house and the little tree. And it said, now you make sure, don't put anything but spring water in for these frogs to live in. So, of course, we buy spring water. Joni puts it in the refrigerator. That's where you keep spring water, right? So we clean out, put the frogs back. We pour the spring water right out of the refrigerator into the tank. Frogs are... Lance and Hunter have went on to be with the Lord. It's what we thought, okay? It's what we thought. So like, well, what do you do when goldfish die or, or African dwarf frogs die? What do you do with them? Do any kids know this morning? That's right. It's okay to say it. You flush them. And so we go to the restroom, and we're like, it's nice knowing you. Lance and Hunter, for this whole month, we've just enjoyed you so much. You're part of our family and gathered the children around. And we were getting ready to have the funeral. And so then we pour the frogs into the toilet. Well, they hit room temperature water. We hit the, I hit the flusher here. All of a sudden, they hit the water. <laughs> African dwarf frogs swimming in the toilet. And so what do we do because we love our family? Fist in the hole. Stop the flush. Get the frogs out. Save their lives. Because we love our family. Now that was a major transformation from those frogs to go from death to life, right? You, are you with me this morning? But that same thing may need to happen in our own family. You see, what did Abraham respond with when asked by God, to take the life of his own son. We'll see here in verse 3. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. On their way to Moriah, God's told him, Isaac is the one that will be sacrificed and he looked and saw. Two things happened here. Immediately he got up the next morning and they got ready to go for the sacrifice. So he didn't wait. If we want to have true transformation and change in our family this morning to show them how much we care about them and more importantly how much we love God, then this transformation is not going to just be, well, you know, when we feel it's the right time, we'll never do it. Abraham got up the next morning early. He headed out and he saw that's the place right there that things are going to change. And so we got to be like Abraham. Seek the transformation, the change, the true change, the genuine change that God would have for us. That's where it's going to start. And then our family as they follow. So to seek that transformation, he looked up and he saw the place where everything was going to change in the distance. In verse 5, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. And you say, of course they're going to come back. We know what happened in the story, but by faith, what did Abraham realize? He said, something's going to change. Either God's going to take my son or he's going to raise him back to life after he is sacrificed on that, on that altar. But God, I pray that we get to come back together in the morning. I'm believing that you've got a plan in all of this. And so I'm seeking you in that. 
Well, he says, we'll come back to you in verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand he took the fire and the sacrificial knife, and the two of them walked on together. Whew. That's pretty rough right there. I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine having to sacrifice my son or my daughter's or my wife, or anybody that I love, or any of you, because God told me to do it. But Abraham knew that God told him to do it, and whatever it was God told him to do, he had to seek that. He had to pursue that. And when that happened, some change was going to start taking place, that transformation that I hope we desire in our hearts this morning for our family and for our lives. So, are you seeking the transformation in your life and in your family. You're here this morning worshiping in person. You're here this morning probably because you stayed connected to our live stream. Some of you are tuning in right now at this very moment via Facebook. We're so glad that you're here. And so we thank God for folks like Pastor Jeff and the ones that he mentioned that made that possible so that we could fast track a live stream so that we could continue to connect and engage with you and allow you and your family to worship in your home. Other churches that I know that are neighboring churches, sister churches of this very church right here that had, like us, there wasn't a live stream in place that fast-tracked that so that they could connect to their congregation and to the outside world. Thankful for that technology during this time. But George Marna has given us some statistics. He's the, if anybody knows who George Barna and Barna Research Group is, they study all things church. They, uh, they study uh, participation. They study trends. It's, it's a lot of very in-depth research. And they've already gotten it back for live stream engagement during the pandemic. Here's what it says. The majority of pastors, 96% of them, report that their churches have been streaming their worship services online during the pandemic. To God be the glory. Our, our influence has gone far and wide because of that. But that may not matter for nearly half of church adults. And here's why. Those that, here's how it describes the church adult. Those who say they have attended church in the past six months. Out of those people, 48% of this group report they have not streamed an online service in the last month since the pandemic began. So this is the latest research from, from when live streaming and, and that trend began because of the pandemic. Now to take that a little bit further, you say, Pastor Ben, that's not me. I come more than that. Look here. Even looking at the uh, more consistent segment of those who consider themselves practicing Christians who are typically characterized by at least monthly attendance. So, unfortunately, in our world today, practicing Christians only attend once a month. And out of those people, now listen to this, concerning the live stream engagement, one in three, that's 32%, admit they have not streamed an online service during this time. Whew. That's pretty humbling. Would you not agree? And we say we love God 
and are willing to change for him. Now, I'm probably preaching to the choir this morning because you're here in front of me. Those of you that are tuning in, you're saying, hey, Pastor Ben, look, I'm here. I'm watching. But those trends tell us a story. They tell us a story about our culture. They tell us a story about our families. They tell us a story about who we are as a country, as God's church. It causes us to ask the question, are we willing to do whatever it takes to honor God, obey Him, and then to bring our family along with us as we do it? And to seek that transformation as we see Abraham was doing right here. God asked him, hey, he didn't say, Abraham, I want you to tune in this Sunday at 1045 on the live stream during the pandemic. No, that's not what he said. He said, I'm asking you, the son, Isaac, the one that I promised and gave you and Sarah, you are an old man. I gave you this son. Now I want you to sacrifice him. And he did it. He was on the way to doing that. He looked and he saw. He had two opportunities where he could have said no, but he didn't. He continued the journey. And look at poor little Isaac, the one that the seed would continue with. Notice how he responds. Verse 7, Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father, and he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, Oh, I love this. You think, well, he's got to give this long explanation as to why all this is going to happen and why, how this is going to unfold. And notice what he says. Guys, this morning, husbands, fathers, young men, God himself will provide. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son, And then you don't see Isaac go, but wait a minute, Daddy. I don't understand this. Now, what does it say? The two of them walked on together. We don't hear Isaac say anything else. And here's why. I just don't think that it was abnormal for Abraham to say, Isaac and even Sarah, hey, let's go worship the Lord on the mountain the one who has provided, the one who has shared truth with us and spoken truth and said, this is the way you should go. Let's go and worship on the mount. Let's go. Let's get all the things that we need so that we can have a sacrifice, so that we can worship, so that we can seek God during this time. And so we see all of a sudden this happening. Isaac asked the question, we're missing one thing, Dad. We're missing the sacrifice. And notice how he responds. The Lord God will provide. Jehovah Jireh, the one who will provide, he's going to provide the sacrifice. How many of us believe that this morning? If we were come to a point in our lives where there was a crossroads and God said, choose your family, choose your job, choose your status, choose your power and your popularity, choose your success or choose me, how many of us would say, well, God, you've been good to me, but I can't sacrifice them on the altar of, of, of burnt sacrifice. I can't do it. Abraham shared the truth. He said, the Lord's going to provide. We don't know what this is going to look like. I know God one way or the other. I'm going to have to sacrifice you, and he's going to bring you back to life, or we're coming back down this mountain together. The Lord's going to provide. And Isaac walked on with him. They were obedient 
to their Heavenly Father. I need a volunteer, young man. Got a young man in there? Volunteer? Y'all don't make me uh, volunteer the PK over here. Connor, come on up here. He volunteered so energetically right there. Good job, Connor. Very good. He's been serving at Camp Maranatha, along with some of our other guys. And so I've known Connor a long time. How, oh, we're supposed to, like, the air hugs and all that, right? Come stand right here, Connor. Do you trust Pastor Ben? Kind of. Kind of. Well, you, you're a little bit better than, than Grayson was this morning. So here's what I want you to do. Can you hold this right here? Hold, hold that open for me. By the way, you got a nice haircut. Hold that open so I can... Oh, that one broke. Yeah, well, that's not a good sign to start off that way, is it? Man, they just don't make them like they used to, do they? Yellow and blue make green. How many of you remember that? Yeah, Ziplocs changed colors on us here. All right, so here we go. You're gonna, we're going to fill this up real nice. And you've been around Pastor Ben, the youth pastor, a while. When there's water involved, sometimes people get wet, don't they? Zip that up real tight just to make sure we don't spill anything. So if blue and pink probably make what? Purple. Good job. So I've got some pencils here, okay? Pretty sharp, ready to go. You got a nice hairdo and some good-looking clothes, looking dapper this morning. And so do you trust me? That you won't get wet. I trust you, he trusts me. All right, I love it. I love it. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna stick this pencil. Here, let me take my jacket off because I don't want to make a mistake here. And you get wet, and we just get everything all messed up here on on the stage with all these electronics. So we got that there. So I'm gonna take these pencils. Come a little bit closer right here, so I make sure I have. I'm gonna take these pencils, five of them. And I'm going to penetrate this bag above your head. And we're just going to believe that no water pours out. Does that sound okay? Now, we've already had one service, so I don't see much water right there. So maybe it won't be too bad, right? So let's, let's do this. So you're, you're tall. I'm standing on my tiptoe. All right. There. There's one. All right. Let's, I don't want to make a mistake here. All right, there's two. You want to look at it? Is it all the way through? How many did I say I was going to do? Five. Kind of running out of room here, aren't we? Hope I don't go through the same hole. Then it might be bad right here for you. All right, there's three. Th oh, was close, wasn't it? How many did we say we're going to do? Five? Okay, just making sure. We're kind of running out of space here. There's four. You're kind of looking up now. You kind of trust me, don't you? It's not going to be wipeout right here in front of everybody at Trinity Baptist Church. So number five, everybody pray. All right. You want to look up? You stepped away when you looked up. Are they through there? Good job. Y'all give Connor a hand here. He trusted 
my word. He wasn't afraid of what might could happen. Now that's just a little experiment, right? Just a little illustration. But can you imagine Abraham and how he felt? The faith that he had to have that God was going to provide. And he was willing, number three this morning, to sacrifice all things for the glory of the God. Look, look, look at what it says here in verse number nine. When they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there, arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Whew, this is getting real now. This is when the sacrifice is beginning to happen in our lives. Is when we not only say we love God, but we begin to live out who we are in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and do what He says. In verse 10, then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. I can remember this story as a child when you'd see it that he was getting ready to sacrifice his son. And then... Thank God. He kept his promise here. He always does. In verse 11, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Whoo, don't you know? Whoo, thank you. I hear God's voice. I didn't know how this was going to work out. This wasn't supposed to happen this way, but I'm raising the knife. And the angel of the Lord calls and says, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. Now, allow God to speak to you this way. Listen, for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Point number three this morning, as I've already mentioned, is sacrifice all things. When preparing this message two weeks ago for today, the original alliteration that we like to do as pastors to make things look a certain way so they all sound, you know, got the S and the T, S and the T all the way down. I had sacrificed some things. Whoo! And the Holy Spirit began to convict, began to show some things in my life, and, and I had to ask myself, how much do I love my family? And if I say I love them, and I say I love God more than I love my family, how much am I willing to sacrifice that God knows without a shadow of a doubt? Look at it again. Verse number 12. The angel of the Lord said, For I know now that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only Son from me. Some of us today... And I was talking to myself when I was looking at this and God spoke to me. I even emailed back on vacation to Pastor Jeff and to Miss Stephanie as they were preparing the bulletin. you got to change it. I hope it's not too late to change it because as children of God, we got to be willing to sacrifice all things and trust God that He's going to provide. Well, for some of us, we got to come to the altar of sacrifice and we got to put those things and lay it on there and say, you know what, God, I love you. This doesn't make sense. This is not how I planned it. This is not how the world's living. This is not how I'm going to achieve success. This is not how everybody else that receives all of the glory and all of the honors. If I have to put it on the altar, then am I willing to do that for you, God? To the point to where he says, I know now that you are a follower of me, that you're willing to sacrifice your one and only son. What are you willing to sacrifice and believe that God will provide? 
even if it goes against what the world would say. I can remember in a previous, in my previous church, we'd have Camp Maranatha come and they would share, here's, here's what we do at camp. And they would do this for our student ministry and they would say, here's what we do at camp. They would do this in the spring while school was still in session. And they would say, Here, here's what we do. Here's the opportunity you have to minister to, to children, point them to Jesus Christ. We've had thousands of children saved because of students like you who are willing to be a counselor. And, and I can remember they would do this, and, 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 and teenagers, students would go, man, that's what I want to do. And they would go to uh, Mr. Jimmy Lee or Mr. Wade or whoever had come to present camp, and they would say, give me one of those applications. I want to I do that. I want to spend one week or two weeks or a whole summer serving God and pointing kids to Jesus Christ. And so I could, I could, I've seen this happen numerous times. They would get the application, and they would walk out. This is what God's wanting me to do in my life. This summer, I'm willing to sacrifice for Him. And they would walk out of the out of the meeting, the student meeting, the youth group that night, and they would go over to their parents, and I'd watch it, because it happened numerous times. It breaks my heart. They'd share with their mom or their dad, and they'd say, look, I, I want and they'd start, you'd see them talking, and then I, I, even, I even heard this one time. They said, but you've got this, this, and this going on this summer, and I just don't have, think we got any, any time or any place for you to fit that in. And you'd see it every time, the, the application, they would go. And that'd be the end of it. So I've learned a lot, a lot from that and numerous other things. That's why I love, I love the next generation. That's why I love children. They're there just like Isaac was, and they're saying... I trust my earthly father. He says his heavenly father has showed us that this is what we need to do, that I'm going to lay up on the offering too because God's got a plan. And sometimes us adults, we allow our plans, we take them off the altar and we say, you know what, God, this is what I'm going to do. And if i got time to place a few things on the altar, if it's convenient, then that's what I'll do. But this is what my family's going to do over here because if we don't do this, then we might have to sacrifice something. And I just don't know if I'm willing to do that or not. See how passionate I get about this. And so, so dads, I'm talking to you. Husbands, fathers this morning, young men, spiritual leaders of the home, you can lead in this. Don't you know that Abraham told Sarah, and I'm not trying to read into the scriptures, hey, this is what God's told me to do. And me and Isaac and the guys, we're going up to do this in the morning. And she was at home. Don't you know she was begging God to spare a son? Don't you know that she was, uh, that she was at home saying, God, I, you gave me this son, and now you're going to take him away. I can't even watch. Don't you know that Abraham, when he was climbing the mountain, and he got to the, to the top of it, and, and, and Isaac, the little Isaac, the one he'd promised, is saying, Dad, where's the sacrifice? How is this going to happen? And he kept walking, and notice what happened. Ooh, I love it in verse 13. Abraham looked up and saw a ram. God provided. Caught in the thicket by its horns. 
So Abraham, don't you know, he just felt the presence of God, and he just a sigh of relief. I've got, this, I've got the knife up, and this is about to happen. But God provided, and there's the thicket in the ram, in, in, the ram in the thicket. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide. So today it said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Aren't you thankful that on Golgotha, that our God, our, our Heavenly Father in Heaven provided the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice of His one and only Son, the ultimate forever sacrifice so that you and I can live not just on this earth, but live life eternal forever for Him. It's going to mean that we have to sacrifice if we're willing to do that. Are you willing this morning? How much do you love your family? Or have they become an idol? Or has something else become an idol? better question we should ask is how much do you truly love God? Would you bow with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you gave your one and only Son, Jesus, as the ultimate sacrifice so that we might have the opportunity to receive the greatest gift ever, the gift of eternal life. God, that we know that there's a thousand things under the sun that we could do here on this earth, but there's nothing better that we can do while we're here in this short life than to give our heart and life to Jesus Christ, to surrender to Him as our Savior and to live for Him for all of our days for His glory and for His honor. So God, I thank You that You've given us that opportunity. God, I thank You that we can trust You to provide. We can be obedient to You knowing that You have a plan and a purpose for our lives and our families' lives. So God, I pray that we'd be willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to seek that true transformation that You have for us that we know is true because You're a God that does not lie. So God, right now, in the sound of my voice, if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus, anybody online right now, that's listening to this message. I pray that they would, as the Scriptures say, call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus died and rose again and be saved. Lord, for those of us that call ourselves your children, God, I pray that we would be obedient to what you've called us to do. Lord, that our faith would be strengthened knowing that as you have in the past, you will continue in the future to provide even when it doesn't make sense. So God, I pray that you'd allow the Holy Spirit to move. God, that we wouldn't wait, that we would act right now, committing to you, looking to you to show us the way. For us in your name we pray. Amen. If you're watching with us online or this morning, if you prayed to receive Christ, or whatever decision you might have made, whatever commitment you might have, have had right there between you and God, in that bubble that Zach was talking about, we'd love to hear about it. Go to our website, trinitybc.net. 
Go to that Connect card, and right there you can, you can tell us about that. We'd love to hear it. It'll be confidential. If you're here with us this morning for the first time, or maybe you've been here a thousand, we'd love to hear about what God's doing in your life. If you're here with us as a guest for the first time, we hope you feel welcome. If you're online with us this morning, we hope you felt welcome. Go to that Connect button or that Connect card and tell us about what God's doing in your life. God bless you. Y'all would stand.